Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to 1 Peter chapter 3. As we start a new chapter today in our verse-by-verse study in 1 Peter, and the title of our message tonight is A Word of Encouragement to Wives. A Word of Encouragement to Wives. Now, as we learn in our last study, submission is not a popular word. It's not a popular word in our culture, and many times it's not a popular word in our homes or in our lives or in our closest relationships like marriage. But In our culture today, not only is submission not popular, but neither is marriage. Marriage is not something that is celebrated, not something that is elevated in our culture today. But from God's perspective, both marriage and submission are important. In our culture, with the twisting and perversity of men joining with men and women with women, we need to hear God's voice in these last days. We need to hear it clear and in the love that God intended. We need to be sensitive, church, to God's design, God's desire, and God's direction for something he himself created. God created marriage, the uniting of one man, one woman, for one lifetime. And Peter, in chapter 3, begins his study, or his teaching, addressing wives. Six verses he gives to wives, and then next time we're together, husbands, you just get one. And we'll unpack the one as I believe the challenge to husbands is equally or more so than the challenge to wives. Submission. It sounds like God, you know, you you come to this passage as a wife or as a single woman looking forward to marriage. You come to this passage and you say, and even some of you men might misunderstand, you think submission, as it says, likewise, notice verse 1, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. And you hear that submissive to my own husband. It sounds like God is asking me to be a doormat to let my husband run all over me. But a careful study of the scriptures and understanding the heart of God, you know that's not the case. And there's a battle being fought every day by us as Christians. Some of you recognize it, and some of you don't. Really, it's a threefold battle. It's a battle going on for who you will listen to, who you will believe, and who you will obey. And since you're already here today, and you're in fellowship with other believers, and you ascribe to loving Jesus, I know you want to listen, and you want to believe, and you want to obey God. I think that's at the, the, the bottom of all of our hearts, really, maybe at the top of our hearts, we want to obey God. There, there aren't any, many of the marriages that I get to be a part of, I get to talk to, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a, a premarital, whether it's a time of talking about a marriage that might be in crisis, very few people want their marriage to be worse. And they want it to be harder. You know what? We're having a hard time right now. Can we just sit down with you? Because we want it to be worse. Can you give us a few insights to be worse? And I'll tell you, you want your marriage to be worse. Don't obey God. It'll be worse. And it'll get progressively worse. And you'll wonder, but Ed, I'm in church all the time. And Ed, I'm in the Bible all the time. And Ed, we pray all the time. And my marriage is getting worse. Most likely, you're not obeying God. One or two, one of you, or both of you, just choosing not to obey God's will. And when we hear of submission, as we learned last time, there are a lot of voices that want to jump in to explain it to us, 
and tell us exactly what submission means, including our own. We have ideas of what submission means. We have a perspective. We come from a background. We, we come from a certain home. Maybe you came in a single family home. Maybe you came through the foster care system. Maybe you came through a, a, a home that experienced divorce and maybe multiple divorces. And you carry that. Like We all have our own personal experience. And if we're not careful, we'll read into the text and make it say something that it doesn't say in a variety of different ways. And what God's word says, you have to understand, it's not going to be on the home page of BuzzFeed. You know, when you go to BuzzFeed.com, they're not going to give you a, a, advice on your marriage that is going to help you. It's going to be worldly. It, it's going to be something that's self-centered and selfish. It's going to be whatever the popular thing. If you go to people.com, whatever the home page and whatever marriage is being expo exposed there and elevated is most likely... You know, maybe perhaps, I, I don't really read it, but those of you that do, perhaps along the way, there might be some biblical, sort of biblical model of marriage, but probably not. When you watch talk shows, you know, I, I tell you right now, when you, if you tune into Ellen, she's not going to be elevating the biblical form of marriage. It's just not going to happen. And if she mentions it, it's not going to be what God desires. Why? Because she herself doesn't live according to God. So when you talk, go to the world for advice, you got to expect that the world is going to give you bad advice. That includes your friends. That includes those that, well, you know, they're a believer. They go to church. But are they giving you counsel from the word? So they might go to church. You might go to church. The question is, when somebody comes to you for help, are you giving counsel according to the word? And so together we choose, and this is a choice we make. Nobody makes us do this. It's, it's something that the Holy Spirit works in us. We choose to sit before God's word and allow him to teach us. And that, there are many times it comes through a pastor teacher for sure, but there are other times if you just went home and meditated, wives, on the verses here in chapter three, husbands, on um, verse seven, if you just meditated, and even pre previously as we looked at chapter two and we learned about, if you just meditated on the text, the Holy Spirit would teach you would reveal to you what he desires in your life. Last time it was submitting at work. And I got a few emails about, man, that was exactly what was happening. Like I needed that word because I need to learn how to submit at work. And I didn't like this. And I, yeah, right. Because the word of God speaks to life. And except that we don't always want to hear the word of God and we don't always want to do it. And that's always going to lead to disaster. And so ladies, tonight, I want you to remember that I'm a pastor. I'm not a marriage expert. I have my own issues in marriage. I have my own issues uh, in my own relationship with my wife as a husband, as a friend. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on this, but I am a pastor, and I'm a pastor that God has played, placed into your life. If this is your home church, then I have the privilege of being responsible for your soul. That's my responsibility. That's what the Bible says. I'm the overseer of your soul. The Bible says I have the privilege as a pastor to be, to be in a position where I'm going to receive, of everyone in the room, I'm going to receive a stricter judgment. Because I believe God has called me, as we were even praying, my place in the body of Christ is to be a pastor teacher. And that's how he chooses to use me. And I can't run away from that. And I can't get away from that. And so as you hear me today, I would hope that you would trust me. I hope you would receive it from me. And I hope that if I misstate something or I, I say something incorrectly, that, that you would receive it and take it to the Lord. Because my heart is for you to be a godly woman. My heart is for you to be a godly wife. And for you single ladies, my heart is for you to be in preparation for your future marriage, for the person that God has for you. 
And while we'll be spending time today on, on the wives' role, because that's the order of the text, next time we'll have an equally challenging message for the husbands. Perhaps even more so, as I believe the Bible gives the husband a greater responsibility in the marriage, not a lesser responsibility. And he, the Bible puts completely on the shoulders of the husband to love their wives unconditionally, which only can happen in the Holy Spirit. But you know, when he comes to submission, you can only do that in the Holy Spirit too. <laughs> it's a work that God does inside of you. And this is God's order. And I want what's best for your home because that's what's going to be best for your kids and that's what's going to be best for the next generation. That's going to be, make our church stronger. It's going to make us have a better witness in the community. It's going to make the divorce rates go down, that the church will not have as high divorce rates as in the world. This is all from the Lord. And I willingly and, and, I, I willingly and enthusiastically embrace this because I want my marriage to be better and I want my home to be stronger. And I want the word of God to flow through us. And we might be reminded that this is an important part of marriage. And as I survey the ministry and the many couples that come through for counseling and biblical discipleship, a big problem in marriage, listen, is ladies, you refuse to submit to your husbands and you refuse to respect them. Now you may have your reasons, you may have your justifications, but this is an issue. This is an issue that many wives fail to submit to their husbands and failed to respect them. So then when Peter says in chapter, one, chapter 3, verse 1, likewise you wives be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, a lot of ladies just dismiss it like it doesn't apply to them. Because they have a reason why this particular passage isn't applied to them. And the idea is this, if my husband does, then I will. And that's just a casual way to get out. We do that with all the Bible at times where I don't like what that says and I don't believe that and I heard another teacher and I don't think it says that and the Greek is this and the Hebrew is that. Like, like the only reason that happens is because the Holy Spirit used the word to get to your heart and it hurts. It, it hurts to be convicted on these areas. But when you dismiss a text like this and others like in Ephesians, this, ladies, this is so important. There's actually a passage in scripture that describes, describes exactly what's gonna happen if you fail to fulfill this role in your life toward your own husband. You will tear your house down with your own hands. And you go ahead, come on, that's pretty dramatic. Aren't you just being a little dramatic? No, I'm actually paraphrasing what Proverbs chapter 14, verse one says. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. And again, receive this for where it is. We will balance this text with the husband's next time. But your lack of submission and your lack of respect is the beginning of pulling your house down. That's how important you are to your home and to your marriage and to your kids. Remember one more thing about this as we launch into a verse-by-verse -verse look at it. This letter was written to people that were suffering externally. The government, Nero, was going after Christians, blaming them for burning Rome down. He was killing them, chasing them. His, his goal was to destroy marriages, destroy families. Like he had this, he was not a man that valued, he was not a man that valued the relationship or the word of God. He used Christians as, as torches in his gardens. He was not a nice man. He was an evil man. Christians are on the run. And so because the theme of Peter is suffering, you know, some 16 times it's mentioned throughout Peter, besides the background of the time it was written. He's writing to those that are suffering because of their faith in Jesus. 
And to those that are suffering, of all the things he could have written, of all the things he could have talked about, of all the things he could have just pounded down, oh, you need to stand up in this, and you got to fight for this, and you got to post that, all the things he could have said, he takes a chapter and says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And the backdrop is, I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, and I know you got all these things coming at you, but this is the role for the wife, even when things are exceptionally hard. And when you're suffering, the topic of marriage coming up tells me that when there was external suffering, it came into the home and Christian marriages were suffering. And I could have taken the time, I have the data, I could have laid out all the statistics, but I I don't really think I need to do that of the statistics of the attack of marriages and, and the disintegration of marriages and the proliferation of divorce. And how many couples are just giving up on each other and just throwing in the towel. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times it's not even separating and leaving the house. It's just checking out on marriage and becoming like roommates and not even happy roommates of that. And it's just not God's heart for marriage. It's not his desire. As challenging as it may be. It's been said that marriage at times can be the closest thing to heaven. Enjoy, fulfillment, radical satisfaction, but marriage can sometimes be the closest thing, well, well, not to heaven. You got two selfish people that are incredibly selfish coming together and they come together as one in the same house. So now you have two selfish people learning how not to be selfish. And then they get the bright idea to create little selfish people and they bring them into the home. And it's just, if it wasn't for the Lord creating this and sustaining it, it wouldn't work. God is the one that keeps things going. God is the one, love, agape love, keeps the lubricant of of keeping us together and working through issues and surrendering and, and submitting and loving and all of those things. As difficulties come our way in marriage, we can either stand together or we can stand at each other's throat. It's your choice. And if you think that you're justified, if you think tonight, you're listening to me, you're listening to me on the radio, watching me online, if I haven't clicked off yet, I hope, I'm going to pray you turn it on at a later date. If you think taking a position to destroy your spouse is going to do anything but make things worse, you are deceived. And if that, you know, somebody will say, but Ed, you don't understand. That's true. I probably don't understand. I don't live with you. I'm not married to your spouse. I probably don't understand. But the reality is, this isn't about me. I got my own marriage. And I have my own issues. It's about you and your walk with the Lord. So you just, Ed, you just don't understand. You, gotta, you get a feel it. You can feel it coming up. You can, uh, it's not going to lead you to where you want to go. It's not going to make you more happy. You know, that, that kind of attitude leads to this. You know, I think I'll just be happier with someone else. As if it's only someone else's fault. Like, I'll just be happy with someone else. I'll just break up another marriage. I'll mess with somebody else. And I'll just be happy with somebody else. It's just so self-deceived absolutely self-deceived. And it's happening, it's how the spiritual warfare is happening to the people you would never expect it to happen to. To, like the Bible says in the last day, even the elect would be deceived, even people that you would think, like they are just solid on fire. I model my life after their marriage. And they're longer married today. And so God's heart for us is to learn his principles because if we can follow through with his principles empowered by his spirit, man, nothing's going to stop your marriage. He'll restore your marriage on top of, not only will he restore your marriage, but you'll be used to pour into other broken marriages. That's God's heart. (laughs) That's his desire. 
It's his desire. So verse one, again, likewise. That word likewise connects us with the previous chapter. Uh, for those of you that are Bible students, you know that in the original Greek language, there are no chapter breaks, there are no verse numbers, there are no headings. So this just reads straight through if you were reading without all the headings. So you, it says, you know, if you kind of back up um, to verse 18, servants be submissive to your masters. You know, you kind of look back in verse 13. Um, so that was verse 18, servants be submissive to your masters. Verse 13, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. He's, he's got a theme coming through and he says, just like every ordinance of man, just like as a uh, employee in our application, remember it was servants and slaves to their masters. Um, just like that, just like that. Wives, just like that. Be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Submit. We learned that the word submit means to fall in line. It carries the idea of servanthood, willingly responding, willingly yielding. Peter is saying the wife is to yield and willingly respond to her own husband as to the Lord, just as we learn to government and at work. And the emphasis, there is an emphasis here on your own husband. So this is an in indication that not every single man in your life is, are you to be submissive to. This is instruction to wives to be submissive to their own husbands. Now what it doesn't mean, as we mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you don't have a valid opinion. It doesn't mean that you have equal input. It doesn't mean that you're always wrong and he's always right. Submissive does, submission doesn't have anything to do with all those things. As a matter of fact, as you look at the word submissive here, he says, oh, by the way, even if your husbands are wrong, they, don't, they aren't walking with the Lord, be submissive to them, which is another challenging thought. And it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue for how we will respond to difficult times. The idea of, this is important to understand, the idea of submission is not subjugation. You are not subject to your husband in all things. And I changed my voice on purpose. You're not subject. And he can just tell you what to do and fall in line, woman. No, we're speaking about relationship here. This is the kind of submission that was modeled by Jesus when he voluntarily submitted himself, not only to a human body, but to the will of the Father. And the, will of the submission that he enjoyed with the will of the Father was a beautiful, sweet, self-sacrificial submission on his part in order to accomplish the purposes of the triune God. Because of Jesus' willing submission, you and I heard the gospel and were born again. <laughs> That's the fruit of his submission. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, my husband isn't even saved. And you look at this and you go, well, even if they don't obey the word, which can include a believer that's backslidden and disobedient, it can also include unbelieving husbands. And some of you have unbelieving husbands. You go, wait a minute, am I supposed to submit to my husband? He's not even saved. You mean you want me to submit to him, even if he doesn't love God, even if he might be leading up me in what I think is a wrong direction for our home or our finances or buying a car or whatever? And the answer is yes. Yes. Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, unless you're being told to sin. You don't submit to sin. Peter says in verse 1 that there is a power in the wife's life with her husband 
that even without a word, he may be won by the conduct of their wives. So at this point, a husband is like, yeah, 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 yes. I've been telling her that for years. Listen, guys, you want to play that attitude with your wife? You're going to harden her heart and she will leave you. Well, Ed, you just taught her. You just taught her to submit. Yeah, but man, hard hearts don't listen to pastors. I can beg you to stay. I can beg you to, but if you're going to be a jerk to your wife, she's going to treat you like a jerk. It's hard for her to love a jerk. You can quote me on that. So you don't have permission. Well, yeah, Ed, you know, it's just, that's exactly what's happening. She won't submit to me. Not, well, maybe you're a jerk and you need to skip to verse seven and love your wife. <laughs> Take care of her. Minister, dwell with her with understanding. Treat her as a precious vessel. Wash her with the water of the word. There's so much to be said. And so we have to be careful where for the wife to come home from a message like this and have an internal disposition where I'm not going to be fighting about everything all the time. That's a good thing. It's not to be taken advantage of. You're not to take advantage of your wife's husband. Peter says that without a word, the conduct of a wife, a godly, God-fearing wife, can actually be used of God to change a man. That's a powerful thing. Now, in a practical sense, you can see that there is a, a beautiful inner relationship between men and women. And you can see just on a practical level, if you never read the Bible, you can see that there's just a beautiful thing when a man and a woman comes together and there's influence on either side. But God's telling us spiritually that there is spiritual power through a submissive wife who's first submitted to the Lord and submitted to their husband that God could use your behavior to change the conduct of your husband, to change their husband's life. Now, some of you have been living this out for years and you're just like, I don't know how long, how long I can go. That doesn't seem to be true. But that's like, just like any other passage. You might be praying for something right now. And you go, I don't know how long I can pray because it just doesn't seem to be true. And there's always a temptation to bail out, you know, and just bail out. Well, this is just another one. That's it's going to be a temptation to bail out. And you're just going to look and go, I don't think he's ever going to change. Well, that's what it looks like now, but it's amazing what God can do in an instant. And, and he's, notice he says, he says that by the conduct of their wives, they will be, there's an observable, chaste conduct that's accompanied by the fear of God. There's, a, there's an observable conduct that's accompanied with the fear of God. I think of an example in the Bible of a husband who is a man of great faith, but he was also a man of great failure. And we get a little bit of insight into his marriage and an example of his wife. In Genesis, well, really, if you jump down to, to um, verse 6, you see the example that Peter gives us. He says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and you're not afraid with any terror. Abraham's given to us an example uh, of a failure of a husband, and Sarah is given us to an example of a successful wife submitting to a failure husband. And, and if you know the story, you know in Genesis chapter 12, a famine hits the land and Abram decides to go to Egypt for help, which was mistake number one. What did Sarah do? Followed him. And then in Egypt, Abram tells Pharaoh she's his sister, which is basically a half-truth, but a full lie. And she's taken into Pharaoh's harem. Mistake number two. And it's Easily, I think, if we were in Sarah's, I mean, I, I, we wouldn't, men couldn't be in that, but ladies, if you're in Sarah's position, you'd think, man, is that what I get if I submit? Forget it. 
I didn't sign up to become a part of a harem. (laughs) That's just out. That doesn't even make sense in our culture today. But you might replace that with something else. You know, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't expect it to be like this. This is not what I want. This is where submission gets me, then I don't want it. But you'll notice that even though Abram was making big time hurtful mistakes, God protected Sarah. You can look in Genesis chapter 12, and then you can jump to Genesis 20 for homework. You can see that even though her husband failed to be her covering, God took care of her, protected her, and guarded her. And who knows what behind the scenes God was telling Sarah, Sarah ministering to her personally. We don't know. what We don't have that interaction. We just know she wasn't taken advantage of. She, we just know she wasn't hurt. We know that her husband failed her greatly and God swept in to take care of her. That's a beautiful thing. And in Abram's life, he makes even more than just a few mistakes because he repeats almost the whole same thing in Genesis 20 with Abimelech, the king. And you know, Wives, sometimes your husbands, they just won't, might not learn. Your husband may not learn the lesson the first time. And he may fail. When you say, will you just leave him then? Well, I mean, all the ladies are at work are telling you to leave him. But then the question would be, why are you talking to ladies at work about your husband and about your marriage? That's a sacred relationship. Well, why are you talking down or bad about your husband? Well, you know, he is down. He is bad. And he's horrible. He sold me into a harem. Well, man, if your marriage is that bad, then let pastoral care get involved to help point you to the Lord if it's really that bad and really that hurtful and really that harmful. But you start talking to other people and you expose your marriage like that, especially to people that are not going to give you good counsel. You are so vulnerable in your pain that it'd be very easy for you to take bad advice. Just leave the bum. And at the wrong moment, at the wrong time, you may just decide to do that. Really looking at the lives of those ladies at work, and this may be a word for someone, that's why I wrote it such. Looking at the lives of those ladies at work, is that really what you want your life to end up being? Always talking down on their husband, talking down, partying. You know, I've seen it happen time and again. In this church, I've seen it happen time and again. Where bad influences just sweep a person off their feet at the wrong time, and it ends in divorce. And it's just so sad. Maybe as you view the mistakes in your marriage and you see even Abraham, Abram and the mistakes, God is very merciful to this marriage and delivers Sarah. Again, she did what her husband said to do, followed him even as it got her in trouble and stuck it out with him. You know, it says that Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. That's something I've had Marie adopt into our marriage. What do you guys laugh? It's fun to be called Lord. (laughs) No, it's just a term of respect. That's all it is. It's not a term of subjugation. It's a term of respect, which really speaks to the needs of a man in a marriage. They need respect and they need submission in a godly, God-honoring way. Sarah trusted God. And because Sarah trusted God, Peter says, you can trust God too. Even if there are mistakes in your marriage, because there will be, there will be mistakes. Your husband will fail you. And when you look at Abram as a man of faith, it's very challenging to live with a man of faith because he's always taking you in different areas. And yet it's really harder to live with a man who has no faith. And the Bible says, you can jot it down in Psalm 37 verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Which leads us to the next section in verse 3, speaking to the wives. It says, do not let your beauty be that outward adorning of arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on a fine apparel. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as we've already seen the example of Sarah. So God is asking wives to be submissive outwardly and to be attractive inwardly. To be submissive outwardly, but to be attractive inwardly. Because it's the inward that counts. Inward beauty is so much more valuable than the outward, which is, again, the exact opposite of what this culture values, which is why it's hard to live in a culture that says, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter how corrupt you are on the inside. Just make sure you've got a good face. Make sure you put on a good face. Make sure you have a good look. Make sure you have the latest. Make sure everyone thinks outwardly everything is good while inside, don't worry about it. But God doesn't act that way. If the Bible says in, uh, doesn't desire that. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Physical training is good, the NLT says, same verse, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And because there's so much emphasis today on how a woman looks outwardly, God is more interested in your heart. And even as the Proverbs say, inward beauty, outward beauty is not going to last forever. And truly, even the outward beauty, as we change and as we go through changes, the longer we're married, our love only grows, but our outward look changes. It changes. I am not the same guy Marie married, I'll tell you that. It changes. We're much older now. We've been together a long time. But in my life, my wife is more beautiful today than the day I met her. And let me tell you, the day I met her, pretty attractive. But we change. We go through things. Things are different now. And if Marie was only wanting to, uh, my wife, Marie, if she was only wanting to impress me outwardly, then she would lose out on the spiritual connection that God has given to us in marriage. And you can't make up for brokenness and distance from God inwardly by putting on a good face or an outward show. I know some churches... Maybe even some husbands have taken these verses to conclude that a Christian woman, you know, can't wear makeup, can't wear jewelry, can't, get, can't be um, beautified or however put makeup on at all. But that's not God's instruction here. He, he's very clear that he's speaking to what's precious in the sight of God. And what's precious in the sight of God is that gentle and quiet spirit. This is not personality right? So you might hear this, ladies, and say, but I'm a very boisterous woman. I'm a very strong woman and gentle and quiet spirit. No, this is the inward disposition of your life. It's not your personality. Because if you have a gentle, quiet spirit between you and the Lord, it's going to come out even in your personality. Your personality, maybe it is stronger. Well, you won't be so abrasive. Uh, Your personality, maybe, you know, maybe you're more introverted, 
in your personality. And if you have a gentle and quiet spirit before the Lord, you won't be pulling away from your husband every time you guys have an argument and hiding and saying, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. No, a gentle and quiet spirit says, no, I'm pleasing to the Lord. He accepts me and I'm willing to work on whatever is happening in my marriage right now. It's the inward, not the outward. So don't let some churches like dictate to you how long your skirts need to be. And you know, modest is modest. And the Lord will lead you on what modesty is. And I think immodest is pretty clear as well. And the Lord will lead you to what immodest is. There's no room for legalism when it comes to these matters. These are matters of the Spirit. And you want to be careful that you don't create a list of things that are required in order to approve of someone or in order to encourage them that they're right with the Lord. So let me just show you. Come back in verse uh, 5. It says, Do not let your beauty be that outward adorning of the hair of wearing gold or putting on a a fine apparel, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit. Um, That outward adorning, that phrase, um, is literally the word cosmos in the Greek. And it literally means order in the world. It speaks of order. So we can translate verse 3 as saying, don't just be ordered outwardly in how you look, but make sure your life is ordered inwardly. Spend as much time, ladies, this is a word to wives, spend as much time caring for the inside as you care for the outside. Spend as much time thinking about the inside because it will translate to the outside. And it's not just beauty and makeup and jewelry. It is you and what you present. It's just you. Your husband loves you. And the closer you are to God, the more attractive you will be. And you can, that's a promise from the Lord. It's the hidden person of the heart, the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. And it's just a beautiful thing for Jesus to create these things in a woman. Again, don't push these things to illogical extremes whereby through your quietness and gentleness, it exposes you to abuse and hurt. Women, ladies, wives, you are never required, never, I emphasize that word, never required to submit to abuse by another person. Never. So, well, but the Bible, he just used the Bible, and the Bible says, I, no, it doesn't say to be abused. That's not God's heart from you. God is not an abuser. He's a lover. He's gentle, like God's calling you to gentle and quietness because the intent of God using that is to bring gentle and quietness out of your husband not abuse. You do not need to submit to abuse. And I realize even some of you listening have been abused by men in your life. And this is just super hard for you to receive. And it's not just physical abuse. You know, it's not okay for your husbands to scream at you. That's not okay. That's not the right way. That's not God's heart. It's not okay for your husbands to try to control you with money and bank accounts and somehow using the Bible to say, oh no, you know, it's not, that's not, the gentle and quietness is again, not to take it to an illogical, unbiblical extreme. However, what happens is, is that through bad behavior, and maybe it doesn't go to the extreme of abuse, but it's still bad and it's still hurtful. With each one, you just, your heart gets hardened and hardened and hardened, and you think it's not going to affect you, but eventually your heart gets so hard like Pharaoh, you can't get out of it. You don't want to get out of it. I guess you could get out of it, but you don't want to get out of it. And you start to make decisions that are not biblical, but you start to make decisions from a hardened heart. And you know that every single divorce has happened because of a hardened heart. That's what Jesus said. And hearts don't get hardened overnight. 
layer after layer after layer. Wives, the best way to get to your husband to go in a direction that you want him to go is encouragement. Encouragement is a very strong tool for the husband. It moves men, encouragement. Criticism will not move your husband in the positive direction. It just won't. It, it, criticism, are de- guys are devastated by criticism. It just cuts their heart out. Guys, they, they have a hard time with criticism. It tears them down and builds walls between you and your husband. Inside, they walk around torn up and feeling beat up. And when you look at the greatest need of a man in marriage, biblically, you'll find that it's praise. It's praise. Just as Jesus is looking for praise from his bride. There's the greatest need in a man's life is continual praise. Praise in marriage so often comes, and don't misunderstand, and not saying worship, saying praise and encouragement. Praise often is demonstrated in the human realm through encouragement. Through encouragement. Encouraging your husband in his life. Husbands, when you look at your wife's greatest need now, uh, a wife's greatest need biblically is security. Security. Even as we, the church, the bride, blossom as believers when we feel the assurance and we're able to rest in the assurance of our relationship with him. When we're reminded that we're, like we saw earlier in chapter one, we're kept by the power of God. And when you have encouragement matched with assurance, there's just a beautiful connection that grows in a marriage. And so wives, that gentle, that quiet spirit, that incorruptible beauty lived out through the power of praise and the energy of encouragement. I mean, when you start encouraging your husband, when you just start pouring and lavishing encourage upon him, he changes. He changes. I mean, let's just, some dumb, let's just look at something dumb. Like your husband, he just, he doesn't do, he doesn't do anything around the house and, and you just need him to mow the lawn. So it's just like, okay, you don't do anything around the house and that's a big argument for you. You don't do anything, you're lazy on, and he comes, I work all day, blah, blah, you know, you know how that argument goes. So just the mowing the lawn. Here are your options, wives, you ready? Number one, you want your husband that's not really wanting to do anything, mow the lawn? Just go ahead and say, hey man, you lazy, no good for nothing husband, put down the Xbox, turn off the football game, get out there and mow that lawn right now. Or we'll never come together for sex again for the next year. Or, honey, when you're out there mowing the lawn, man, your arms look so strong. You're just, you're just so cute out there. I just love to see you out there and... You know, just, hey man, he's going to mow the lawn more than it needs to be mowed. You, you have concrete in your backyard, and tomorrow it has grass. Because there's, an encur- there's something about God when you have that, that encouragement, you have that sense that, man, that's an expression of love toward me. And then it's just responded, like it's reciprocated with that idea of, man, I am, as a husband, I want to make sure you trust me, that you know I'm in your corner, that I'm here for you. And then before you know it, the arguments about being lazy and being on Xbox, playing video games all the time and whatever, you know, not, not caring about your marriage, not caring about your, like all of that, that, that gets, and then you start arguing about different things. But the way that you are, the way you saw those is just the same way. Love, we had that, that couple here, remember a few years ago, they did that big thing, filled this whole room with married couples. Love and respect, the two keys to marriage. Love and respect. And it's very practical. It's almost as if the Lord sometimes calls us back to go back to when we were courting and dating. Because that's what encouraged us so much. Just courting and dating. And now it's like, uh, uh, 
so hard, so difficult. So, and then hard hearts. And before you know it, man, you're just going through the motions. And some of you just waiting for the kids to grow up. So after they leave, you can divorce. And you're already planning it. And it's just not from the Lord. It's not his desire. It's not at all. Guys need that constant flow of encouragement from their wives. As a husband, we really need to know that you're on our side. And you might say, ladies, I don't have anything nice to say about him. Well, you just can't go there. Pray that the Lord would give you something. Turn something around in your heart about something that he does. And if he doesn't do, and I don't think it's possible, but if he doesn't do anything at all, ever, 1,000 million percent for you, then start praying that he might do something. Just start praying for him. Ministering to him. Read, like, like, Take him to the throne room of grace because the good news about that is when you take him to the throne room of grace, you'll be there too. And the Lord will minister to you in your hurt and in your pain and in your challenges. So in the midst of warfare, in the midst of challenges, the wives are addressed. We'll get to the husbands next time, but the wives are addressed. And he says, be submissive outwardly and choose to be attractive inwardly. As we walk in agape love, Realizing that love covers a multitude of sins, the Holy Spirit really has his way in our lives. And there is a pattern. And, and perhaps you look at this today, wives, and you go, well, Ed, to the best of my ability, I think this describes me and nothing's changed. Well, then you're in a position of waiting on the Lord, aren't you? You're in a position of waiting on the Lord. And it doesn't absolve you from continue to be encouraging, continue to, to love, continue like, well, no, I just, I don't, I, I've, I don't love him anymore. You know, that's just your emotions speaking. It's just your emotions speaking. And if you want to feed that emotion, you're not only going to stop loving him, but then you're going to start hating him. And I know if we work backwards, they're like, well, you know, with a lack of love and a lack of, uh, and you start to hate your husband, I'm going to be pretty clear that, it's going to be pretty clear, at least we'll talk about it, how's first chapter, how's chapter three, verses one through six been in your life? Because if chapter three, if any part of this, the spirit of God is working in your heart, you're not going to get that far. And the Lord will help you along the way because it's God's heart. As much as maybe today you want to save your marriage, God's heart is even greater to have you enjoy your marriage. Enjoy it. Let it be joyful to you. Let it be sweet and wonderful so that the joy that overflows from your home will spill out into your community to the people that are right next door, across the street, around the block, that have challenges in their marriage, but don't have the resources that you have. And it becomes a bridge for the gospel in your life. Even your rescued marriage speaks volumes of the faithfulness of God. So Father, we thank you for the word you give to wives. And I know it can be challenging and hard at times. And, and even as the wife, husbands uh, will get theirs next week, Lord, and learn, we'll, we'll learn next week how we can be better in serving, dwelling, and spending time, and studying our wives, and walking in agape love, and, and going overboard in loving them. Lord, we want, we want your best. And forgive us, God, when we fail, and we lack, and we're selfish, and self-centered, and it's just so common for us in our human condition. And I was thinking as we were today, even Philippians chapter two, that we would think of others more highly than ourselves. And we would just I pray that into our lives. For those that are single here today, those that are young still, those that are in formative relationships, kind of looking for models of what it might be 
for marriage in their life, but also for those of us that are married, that we would learn to walk in self-denial. Um, not without failure, not without weaknesses, but certainly, Lord, walking in your agape love, that we could continue to grow in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.